Hello, coffee lovers, and welcome to the God Country Live Video Podcast. Every every Friday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And now, live from Seguin, Texas, and other places around the world, your host, Jose Roberto Alaniz Jr. Hello, coffee lovers. It's 1900 on Friday, and that means it's time for God Country Coffee. I know we haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, but uh, I have been uh, working a very bizarre shift, and so uh, we are finally free from that, and we are looking forward uh, to getting back in the saddle with the, uh, with the podcast, the weekly podcast. And uh, just a couple of announcements. Um, the, uh, we're going to be coming out with pods pretty soon. Um, as soon as I can fix this graphic uh, for Robert Kersey. And then, uh, and so, but we're only going to do a couple of, um, we're going to do like, uh, medium roast. We're going to do Seguin pecan probably. Um, and maybe the revelation, uh, because, um, you have to try to put 13 grams of coffee in this little thing. And it's really hard to do with some of the other coffees that are a little bit darker side. Um, especially like the dark roast. I can't really, haven't been able to stuff 13 grams of coffee in here. And if I don't put at least that much, the coffee's not going to taste like it tastes when you buy it out of our, make it out of our bag, do pour over or whatever. But I know these things are a huge convenience and people have been bugging me to death about them. And uh, so this is just a natural progression for our business. Um, and so we're definitely going to get into that. Um, and um, the other thing too is uh, we are doing, I'm wearing my triple nickel today, my red shirt, because it's red shirt Friday. It's red Friday. Remember everybody deployed until they all come home. Um, triple nickel is actually, I'm working with them right now, officially working with them uh, to design a shirt for my fat man to iron man 23 campaign that we're doing. I'm working with Susponte uh, coaching, elite coaching. And, um, and so we're still working on that. I don't feel like I'm anywhere near ready uh, to do even a sprint. Uh, but I, you know, I did 40 miles the other day on the bike. I felt pretty good. It was a little rough. I could have been a lot, you know, I was a little slow, but I was able to complete it. And um, I've got to do 56 miles for the actual um, Ironman. And then I got to do a mile in the water and, and then I got to do a half marathon at the end of it. So um, and considering that my doctor and my coach won't let me run till I'm down below 250, um, that poses a little bit of a problem, uh, for the training part, but you know, we're just getting into the summer. I love the heat. Um, I do well with it. And so I'm really excited about that. I'm still trying to raise money. Uh, I gotta, we just got this in today. This is going to be my Jersey for my bike rides. Um, you see a fat man to Iron Man, Luke 24 and 46, which said Jesus said that the Christ will suffer and die and rise again the third day. And so anyway, if you care to support us, I'm going to put the link in the comments. Um, I didn't know how expensive trying to train and compete is, and I'm finding it out. And uh, so, uh, you know, you would help my home life out quite a bit if you put a couple of bucks in that, in that crowdfunding for me. Um, we are going to sell uh, Legacy Farms just came on board as another sponsor for the Fat Man to Iron Man. Uh, he gave me some coffee. And so once we get the uh, logo from Triple Nickel for the T-shirts, we're going to use the same one in the coffee bags. And um, and then uh, and then we're going to sell coffee 
just to raise money for, for, you know, for all the stuff I got to get for this thing. It's ridiculously crazy. And, uh, anyway, aside from that, um, hit, hit up the new website. I'm going to throw that in the comments. Also, uh, we are trying desperately to, uh, transition completely to the new site. And, uh, so, um, because I even have some customers right now that I have trouble keeping up with because um, it they're so they were f- so first gen on my original Wix site that it doesn't tell me every month it doesn't generate an order and so uh, the new site does it automatically um, and and so anyway um, there's a lot of stuff that we're working through but hit us up uh, tonight's guest is an active duty army. Uh, I'm always used to saying veteran. He's not a veteran. He's active duty army and, uh, and he's a brother in Christ and he's a fellow coffee roaster. And we share the same, uh, supplier. At least one of his suppliers, uh, is the same guy I get my coffee from Ashley Williams. And, uh, let me throw the banners up real quick because I want to make sure that I get people. Uh, so there across the bottom, you'll see, uh, the first one is my new Facebook page for the um, for the fitness campaign. I don't know what else to call it, fitness campaign. Uh, and then the rest of them are sponsors. Uh, Armando and Sandra Contreras, they came on with Advocare. Sandra's an Advocare uh, person, and I buy my Advocare from her, and she's donated a bunch of stuff for me. Um, and then uh, Swa Sponte Elite Coaching is Marty Martinez. That's my coach. Uh, y'all keep him in your prayers. He's a little ill under the weather right now. Uh, Triple Nickel is going to be doing my shirts. Legacy Farms gave us coffee. Really Designs is going to be doing uh, some mugs and some other stuff. I'm not sure how we're going to fit all that in. And so is Robert Kersey of Miller Thyme Designs. Uh, he's going to be uh, helping us as well. And so I'm really excited. Hey, Ginger. Um, and so anyway, I'm going to bring on our guest and stop talking about me. Uh, he's got a great story. And uh, we had a, we've had a, co- a conversation here uh, a while back, and and uh, I'm excited uh, that he's on the show tonight. I'm gonna bring him on. What's going on, brother? How you doing? How's it going, Jay? Good. So uh, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, and uh, and then we'll. Uh, I want to change this though. There we go. Okay. Um, and uh, so just tell us who you are and what you do for a living right now. Uh, and then uh, maybe a little bit about how you got to where you're at with your current job. All right. So my name is Josh Champion. Uh, I'm from Tennessee, a little small town, Westmoreland. It's north of Nashville. Um, grew up a farm kid, uh, lived on a tobacco farm for a long time. Um, pretty much just hauled hay through the summers and played football. And uh, football wasn't good enough, so I decided to join the military. Uh about 12 years ago. That's awesome. And what do you do? So current, currently right now I'm a drill sergeant. Um, but a little, little backstory. Um, I did six years in the Marine Corps. So my first branch was the Marines. So I did six years in the Marines and then there were some opportunities that the Army provided. I love the Marine Corps, but there was opportunities that the Army provided, so I ended up switching to the Army. Uh, did a multitude of things. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and give full disclosure. Anything I say or do for sponsor for myself is not on behalf of the Army. I am just in the Army, so I'm going to go ahead and just say that. 
Um, so, um, yep, did my time in a section. Uh, I'm in the infantry, so I I did that for a little while, and then I ended up uh, going to sniper school. Uh, after that, I deployed, and then after I deployed, I ended up going to drill school to be a drill sergeant. And then I'm here now. Because so somebody said simplify. So Robert Kersey, uh, one of my the guy that does uh, Miller Thyme Design does my labels. He's a Marine, and uh, okay. And then I don't know who else. I don't know who else uh, hit that other one up, but uh, I usually am a little bit better. I apologize. We had dentist appointments today in Bulverde, uh which is probably uh, he, um, he's, he was a Marine too. And then he went army also. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about, um, <laughs> how we kind of came across each other and, and kind of, right. you know, say that again, you cut out, Jay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I've noticed we're cutting in a little bit in and out. Hopefully that that's, stabilizes um tell us a little bit about how you and i came to know each other and what you're doing right now aside from the military right so um what happened was is so i started i started roasting and uh well that was a while ago and then i ended up just looking for some good beans and, and i you know stumbled across direct trade fair trade and, I, and then you know ashley's website popped up for this farm out out in uh, Honduras and then I, I'd seen another plug-in for him on a YouTube channel uh you know shout out to Rob Perry he's a good dude um also a fellow veteran um he he pretty much put a segue into uh reaching out to Ashley so I reached out to Ashley and told him I was like hey it really wasn't just reaching out to him to like, Hey, I need your beans. It's like, I seen what he was doing down there in Honduras and I just wanted to give back because I was already roasting coffee and I had a supplier and I was like, Hey man, how, how can I dedicate, you know, some of my money toys or things that we don't use here at the house? How can I dedicate that to your farm to help people down there? Because uh, a little tender spot for me from being on deployments and stuff is seeing how people live overseas, you know, in third world countries and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, sometimes we, we don't get to sit back and appreciate how good we have it over here. And then when I found out that there was an opportunity for me to, you know, give back in a good way and, you know, it's kind of a mutual thing, you know, I get some coffee and, you know, I'm helping people out. So it, uh, that's pretty much how I came into contact with Ashley. And then Ashley had mentioned you and he's like, hey, listen, you got you got to talk to the guy Jay. He's got a podcast down in Texas, and uh, he's a fellow veteran, and you know he's a heck of a roaster. And uh, if there's someone that you want on your podcast, you need you need to talk to him. And I was like, no doubt. So I ended up just shooting you uh, you a message immediately, and I was like, listen, we need to connect. You know, that's that. Uh, I want to talk a couple of things about Ashley because I know people that are tuning in. Some of these people that know know me, they know the story. But uh, Ashley Williams was a missionary who was going to Honduras uh, when he was in college. And he went down there on one of his mission trips, met his wife who was on a mission trip from her church. Uh, and they came back and got married. And then they went on a couple of mission trips um, together with their church uh, when he moved to Kansas from Tennessee. 
And, um, and then uh, they decided that what they were going to do was they were going to buy a piece of land down there and they're going to build a house on it and they're going to give it to a family who needed it. And if the family took care of it for two years, they would give them the house free and clear. And so they bought the first piece of land and um, immediately, like almost immediately, the, you know, word got out to the locals and they approached him and they're like, hey, you know, that that property you just bought's got coffee on it. And uh, he's like, nah, I, I know what coffee looks like. It's black. It's powdery. It comes in a can. You get it at the supermarket. And that was his extent of what he knew about coffee at that time. And so um, it the, turned out the property had an old mill on it, you know, that they refurbished. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Ashley's been in the coffee business ever since. But he's never left his roots of being a missionary, sharing the gospel. And so last year they even opened up a um, – they started a, um, a church and they, uh, we were there when they were uh, two years ago when they were just doing the groundwork uh, and um, on the site. And so it's fully operational at this point. It's not 100% complete, but uh, they're having service twice a week. And they've got a library where the kids can check out books. And they've got a dental clinic and everything else. And so uh, those are some of the things that I, that, you know, that Ashley has done in the background uh, for the same reason and I didn't know, Ashley, that I didn't come across him the way you did. Uh, right. I came across him. I was praying for divine appointments. And out of the blue, out of a group, uh, we belong to that coffee, coffee, coffee group that's got like 380,000 members. And uh, out of that group, he reached out. And so um, that was a true godsend because I never would have met a guy who owned a coffee farm. Right. And, uh, and, and, and as you know as well as I do that he's probably one of the most approachable people like you know, he's just not, a, his head's not in the clouds or anything. And so, uh, and, and it's pretty incredible coffee, you know. And so let's talk about the coffee because, you know, coffee is life. And I, I don't have coffee because I, I got here so late that I didn't make a coffee. But <laughs> Right, right. Let's hop into it. Yeah, so, you know, talk to, like, how did you even get into it? I mean, everybody's heard my story. You know, I went to overseas and had coffee and wanted to replicate it. But uh, how did how did you get into the coffee roasting business, be an active duty? So per, pretty much what happened is, uh, you know, I mentioned this on my last podcast, you know, I, like, I, well, disclaimer, when I said I grew up on a tobacco farm, I worked on a tobacco farm. You know, my family didn't own it, but I, I worked on farms, just a disclaimer. So that's, so I grew up farming and drinking straight black folders out, out of the can growing up. And, you know, it is what it is. You shoot it down in the morning and it makes you feel good. You know, so that's that's all that's the extent of the knowledge that I had on coffee. So pretty much what happened is I I was on a rotation to Germany and while in Germany I stopped at this like little coffee shop. I seen that they had this little device that looked like, you know, a glass cylinder. And I was like, what is that thing? And you know, they were putting filters and stuff in it and they were doing pour over. And I was like, what they make their coffee with glass cylinders over here. You know, it just blew my mind. And, uh, so I see, I was like, Hey, I want, I want one of those, you know, whatever that is that, you know, look clear. There's no grinds at the bottom. I was like, hey, give me that. So I took a sip of it. I looked at my buddy and I was like, that's not coffee. There's no way. Like whatever that is, that that's the best thing I ever tasted in my life. So, I, you know, super hooked at that point, you know, I hated having to go back to base because, you know, coffee in the military is not 
number one, you know, as far as like quality, you know, you get the basic uh, coffee. So I was like hooked trying to get a hold of some specialty coffee. And uh, so I went down this like little rabbit hole of, of looking for coffee, you know, uh, you know, roasters, you know, they're, you know, in the area once I got back to the States. And uh, after that, I, I started digging into like, oh, wow, coffee's on like it, it's maximum capacity within 10 days of being roasted. So I'm looking for coffee that's been roasted within 10 days at this point, trying to get coffee or it and get it to my house. And then um, I bought, you know, a few fresh roasts, you know, well, actually, I bought one fresh roast at this time. And then I was like, you know, what, I'm going to try roasting my own coffee. Got hooked on that. And I was like, man, I can really dial this in. You know, I'm getting good at this. And then uh, I ended up, you know, bumping into a buddy and, and he was like, Hey man, let's have some coffee. And I was like, hey, I got some coffee at the house. If you want to, you know, come try some. So, you know, he tried the coffee. He's like, dude, you should sell this. Like, There's people on post that don't get the opportunity to, you know, drink some coffee like this, you know, you should sell this stuff. So I was like, sure. Yeah. Let me, I'll give out some sample bags and, you know, I'll, you know, I'll let people test it. I couldn't keep it in stock. Like I was like, listen, I don't have coffee for myself, fellas. Like I need, like, I got to do something. So I was so that's when I jumped into the website. I jumped into getting my LLC and, you know, got my own brand. And and I've been helping people on post in the surrounding communities for a while. And, you know, that, that's kind of how I got into roasting. Yeah. And, you know, you and I were talking about this the other day, but, you know, most people. Um, well, first off, there's an addiction there, right? It's it's in a, you know, you want better coffee, especially if you've been overseas and you had coffee overseas. You're like, I, I need better coffee. And right. so that that's the first mission, you know, you're like, you're on a mission to get better coffee. And I don't know about you, but first I went around buying coffee everywhere, you know, trying different places. Um, but, you know, people, most people don't really know the difference. And they're basically bound to whatever they get on the shelf at their local grocers. And so, you know, the beautiful thing about what we get to do every day or almost every day uh, is we get to manipulate that coffee as much as we want. And, uh, you know, we can make it light or dark or we can, you know, in my particular case, I get to add wood to it or pecans or something, um, you know, to make the coffee different. And uh, a lot of people in this country don't don't realize that there's a difference in the quality of coffee, you know, and and. So that's another question I have for you. Like, at what point did you realize um, that there's a coffee out there that's called specialty coffee that is much better than regular coffee? Right. So that was uh, for, like same story. After I, you know, drank that coffee in Germany, I started digging into research, looking for it. And I was like, do they have this back in the States? And sure enough, there's roasters all over the place making specialty coffee. And uh, and they were you know, some of the videos I was watching that, you know, they were talking about cupping, you know, like, Hey, you got to learn to pull the notes out, you know, get the, you know, the precise flavors out of this coffee. And I was like, man, this is a, this is a whole nother level, you know, as far as, you know, there's a whole sheet that, that has all the, all the parameters on it with pulling notes out of cupping. And I was like, this is a whole new level of coffee. Like, you know, coffee's already good enough. You know, I'm thinking about my cup the night before. I'm laying in bed and I'm like, hey, when can I get up and make my coffee the next morning, you know? So, and I'm like, there's something better than that. I'm all in at that point. So that's pretty much when I found out. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, uh, an, I mean, I love the fact that, that uh, and there's a lot of people like Jenny 
uh, Roger's on, on right now. She's one of the ladies from church, her and her husband buy my coffee and pretty much everybody on that, that pops on the podcast. They have had my coffee and, um, and several people are white label customers, but you, you start getting to the point where like nothing else works. Like you, you can't get a good cup of coffee unless you make it yourself. Right. And, uh, and I think that's kind of cool to some extent, but it makes it difficult when you travel, you know, I have to pack coffee when I go. And, uh, and so, you know, I think the pods are going to be great for us because then I can just throw a box of pods in my luggage and go, right? Uh, you know, but you know, something you said too, that I don't think a lot of people understand. Um, after 10 days, the coffee starts to degrade, you know, the quality of the flavor. And so, um, most of the time when you buy coffee at a supermarket, you, you're not buying whole bean, you're buying ground coffee. And right. so the, the second you grind it, you know, you're cutting its life again um, as far as the flavor goes. And so, um, you know, it's really hard to be in our industry and try to uh, – educate everyone. I hate that word because I feel like we're, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm smarter than anybody because I'm not, but I've, I know a little bit about coffee now. And, uh, and I just want people to know the difference between, you know, what they're getting at the grocery store. And, and I think one of the biggest things that people don't understand is when we're talking about specialty coffee, all coffee is scored from zero to a hundred. Right. So if it, if it comes in the door, and uh, the person who's cupping it, if it looks like coffee, you start out at 50 points. Um, from there, it really gets technical and it gets into the flavor and the notes and the finish. And, and they, I mean, they smell it, the aroma, everything all factors into a cupping score. And so everything below 80, everything 79 and below is just coffee. And you hear a lot of big name companies, and I'm not going to name them because they'll come sue me. But uh, you got a lot of the one huge veteran company. You got all these other companies uh, like the mermaid fish thing and all these other people. They don't buy specialty coffee. Buy the cheapest junk they can find for 50 cents a pound. Uh, and then they roast all the impurities out of it. So they over roast the coffee. And then they put flavoring back in it so it tastes like coffee. And that's what you get at the supermarket. And that's what you get when these people call right. their coffee gourmet or premium coffee. Uh, because right. the thing about specialty coffee, it's got paperwork that goes with it. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a, a paperwork from the official international standard of cupping that has a cupping score, it's not specialty coffee. And so... Uh, and that's the difference between micro roasters and like us, small batch roasters, uh, and and these all these places on every street corner, is that they they have a very low quality of coffee to begin with, right? And so, um, you know, but it's hard for for us as small roasters to try to try to get that out there. So you uh, you got addicted to this, and uh, and now you're selling coffee. And so what's the, uh, what's the intermediate plan and what's the long-term plan? So pr pretty much the short term in the beginning was like, 
so you were talking about specialty coffee and then mass produced coffee and then just coffee kind of in the middle. So most people are used to that mass produced coffee. Like that's their morning Joe, right? So that any type of coffee that's roasted in home at the correct temperature at the correct time and comes out a little bit just right is going to taste massively better than anything you can pretty much get on the shelves. So I was like, I need to bring this to people that don't understand that. So, and I, I was asked that question before me and you had a personal conversation outside of here where I was like, listen, I went up to this guy and I was like, listen, I, I need you to try my coffee. It's pretty good. And he was like, bring a cup in and we'll try it. So I brought the whole kit and caboodle in. We, we did a pour over. So, you know, we did a pour over and, you know, he took a sip of it and he goes, that's just black coffee, man. And I was like, trying not to get disrespected. I was like, all right, two inches on, that's fine. You drink, you drink your straight black coffee. It's been sitting on the shelf for two or three months. Um, but but that's the thing. It's, it's the culture with uh, just let's get caffeine to the dome and we'll we'll drink it right off the rip. Which most people don't understand that the blacker it is doesn't mean the more caffeine it's got. You know, so it's there goes. And I'm not calling it incompetence. It's not. It's just the the lack of. Uh, awareness of where you're getting your coffee from, uh, really. And uh, and we had this talk, too. Now, this is a kind of a disclaimer as well. Most people, they think that their coffee, they're getting the jitters from caffeine. Pretty much the jitters you're having is an immune response to the mold that's found in some coffee that's been sitting out there for a long time. It's not just fresh roasted. And that's why I think it's really important that most people keep their beans whole. They have a longer shelf life. Um, you grind it right up. They don't go as bad. They don't go as stale. So I think if, if someone was trying to go in the right direction, just keep your beans whole. Don't the, the buying pre-ground, I get it. It's easier. And you got that convenience factor when it comes into drinking coffee, but pretty much the whole beans, the route to go. And, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to, let's segue back into what I was talking about, but, <laughs> um, pretty much that was the short term is I just wanted to provide that coffee to people that didn't understand it and, and they have a new appreciation. That was my short term. Let's just get it out to the people. Intermediate is like, okay, I'm kind of making income from this. So let's, let's keep it going. And I'm just going to put whatever money I make from this back into the company so I can get more coffee out to the people. Um, long-term I'm, I'm in the military for the next, I think I got 12 years left. I'm not, and I'm already at 12. So I, I got, yeah, more than that. So yeah, 13 years left. I'll be, I'll be sitting at 25. So I got time. My, my whole goal is like, no matter where I'm stationed at, no matter what I'm doing, I can provide my coffee to the people in that general area. So that long-term goal until I retire is to provide good quality coffee to people that don't understand it. And one people that probably don't have the opportunity to drink it. Yeah. So that's, I was looking for your website because I was going to throw your website up there. If you can put your website in the comments, that would be great. Sure. Uh, yeah. But uh, along those lines, I, I wanted to hit on something because, um, and this is really pointed towards the military community, but uh, when I was in the service, and I know when probably Robert was in there and, and Ginger David, when they were, you know, when he was in the in the Navy and, and all these other people that, uh, you know, maybe even, I know my friend Robert, he, he's a, you know, older than I am. So I know he comes from the same school, but man, when we were in, you literally had to pull teeth um, to get any kind of transition information. Um, you know, my ship did a one day 
it was actually half a day that you got about, Hey, uh, you know, you should probably take care of your finances when you leave here. Um, there was really nothing that anybody put in place for when I left the military, you know, and, and it was probably 15 years after I got out before somebody said, you know, you have a problem, man. Like you've never transitioned out of the service. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know? And, uh, he goes, man, you, you think you're still in the military, you know, your brain, the way it works. And I, I was like, no, I don't think so. But that, the, the, you know, when I got out in good grief, let's see, I got out in 94. And so that's 1994, <laughs> just to be clear. Uh, but uh, I hope so. it wasn't, <laughs> what's, it? what's that? I said, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there wasn't any, like, nobody said, hey, man, let's talk about your future. What are you going to do when you get out of the service? What are you going to do on day one of civilian life? What are you going to do on, right. you know, a month after civilian life? And so I think that's one of the things that maybe you could want to elaborate on it. But I think it's really cool. Uh, and and I'm, I'm sure the Army didn't do this, right? This is something that you've, a passion that you've developed. Um, but, man, it's so important for... Uh, you know, for you to pass on to other guys that are in the service, you know, for us to pass on to guys that are, that are active duty, but you know, you're building something that you're going to have on day one of civilian life. Right. And I think that's something, maybe you want to elaborate on that a little bit, but I, you know, we didn't cover that when I was in the military. Right. I, I, I got a lot to say about this subject specifically. Um, it's a lot different than back in 1994 or any time before 2010, I would say. Uh, right now, the Army, the Marines, everyone offers classes now. They offer transition classes. They offer opportunities. They, You can, you know, your last six months of being with your unit, they'll say, hey, you're going to go to this school for, you know, six months. A buddy of mine uh, just finished a project management degree because his unit sent him somewhere to go get a project management degree for his last, you know, year that he was in the military. Now, here, now here, here's the thing. Now, the, I'm hitting on this because it's an adult level, right? Everyone needs to be an adult. So, like, if you know that there's resources out there, it is honestly on you as a grown man or grown woman to go out there and find those resources. Because the big thing, especially about leading your house uh, from a Christianity you know, perspective of, like, just take an initiative. Hey, you're in charge of your home. Like, you know, and and as you know, running the family, like you're in charge of your kids, you're running, you know, you're, you're living Christ-like and you're running your family. So the the thing is most people need to find those resources and they're out there now, like the, the, all military branches provide transition sources because it was such an issue in the past. And now it's pretty much on the service member to, to get those sources. Right. We all signed a contract. You're over the age of 18. You know, yep. go out and find those resources. Now, now you hit on something of like someone told you you didn't transition correctly. You're too military. Like, I love that. Like too military. Like I hear too disciplined. I hear too dedicated. You know, I <laughs> yeah. I hear oh he just tells me like it is, which is good. We got too much wish washy stuff out, out here. That's the thing. That's what we're running into. Um, the big issue is most people are not willing to look out their resources. They're not willing to research. They're not willing to take ownership of their life and their family. 
That is the problem that we're running into in today's age. Now, there is veterans that didn't transition properly, but now there's so many resources out there and people are just saying that, oh, I didn't get the opportunity. For me being in right now, there is all the opportunity in the world to go set yourself up before you get out. It just takes a little bit of proactive. Yeah, and, and something that I shared with you that, I, you know, a lot of a lot of my listeners or other vet veteran-owned businesses um, is that, you know, the, the research that I did when I first um, started running through some of the programs that I didn't even know existed uh, through the VA for small businesses uh, was that, you know, the, the mortality rate on a regular business is one year. Uh, a lot of them fail within one year or at the one-year mark, they, or they can't go past a year. You know, veteran-owned businesses have a mortality rate of five years, right? And and that has a that's a direct correlation to the fact that we're disciplined. You know, we have great uh, processing skills. Uh, you know, they teach us to do things under pressure, to make decisions under pressure. You know, some of them life and death. Some of them just you know make good decisions. Right. I think the um, the the one number one thing is uh, you're used to mission failure. Like you're just constant. Like you're constantly there. Not every mission goes to plan. So here's the thing: is most people that do start these businesses and they do have that mortality rate. There, this is probably their first sense of failure. In the military, you're failing on a constant basis. Like you're trying. Like you're gonna. Yeah. There's going to be an after action report after the mission, no matter how good the mission was or after how bad it was. Like you're. If you didn't do your job right, you're a piece of trash. Like literally, literally. So that's yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well now I'm gonna go be introspective and, and, and work on some things. So I think it's more of the resiliency perspective. Like we're not we're used to that failure. So it's like why quit on day one? You know, I, I'm told no constantly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's wonderful because as small business people, you know, small business owners, um, it is so um uh, Marty tells me all the time, my coach. He says, I don't care if you fail as long as you fail forward. And, uh, you know, if I give you a task and you can't fully complete it, you fail to complete it, it's okay. But, you know, the next time we do it, instead of getting 40 minutes, I don't want you to get an hour in, you know. And so as long as you fail forward, it's not a, a negative thing. And, and honestly, there's no such thing as failure. It, if, if, if you don't, if you allow it, it it's going to be a failure. But there's really no such thing as a failure because not meeting your objective is a learning situation. You're right. learning something. And if you don't learn something, then yeah, it's a failure. But if you go through something and you don't reach your goal or something happens, you hit a huge roadblock and you got to figure out, maybe you got to take a few steps back before you go forward. Um, you know, that's really big on, on, and, and I know that there's civilians, a lot of, you know, people that I know that have never been in the service do perfectly well because they have the same mindset. But those people would have done really well in the military, right? you know, simply because of their mindset. And so uh, I think that's really cool. And so um, what does Champ Bros go from here, man? Like, like what's what you have 12, would you say 12 years left? Uh, 13, the, 13 uh, yeah, 13. So uh, I'm about to commission as an officer. So, um, you know, bumping it up a little bit. I wanted to change my game plan as far as like, I would rather do the planning now because I've been doing groundwork for a while. So, you know, I'd rather get into the planning aspect of things. Um, so I got 12 years left. 
uh, with the military. And where does Champ Bros go? It's going to keep going until I until the Lord takes me home. Uh, I'll, I'll keep doing it because I think every as long as I live, I think most people need to understand, and, and it's disconnected in today's community is just being a faithful servant and and in serving people, like you know, just helping people and and. Money doesn't matter. It does, but it doesn't. The thing is, is there's people out there that you don't know. Maybe your cup of coffee made their day for that day. Who knows? Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm always here to help people in every facet that I possibly can. It's not about the money to me. Me and my wife are pretty well off. And, uh, and you know, we donate to the church and we take care of people. We take care of people. We leave tips to struggling waitresses. We donate to farms. And it's all about being a faithful servant to me because everyone needs to experience good humanity. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Um, We have gotten to the point, my wife and I have got to the point where we understand completely that none of this stuff is ours. The the property we live on, the house we live on, the, you know, the money that we have in the bank, none of that stuff is ours. It's all his. And uh, he's given us stewardship over it. And are we going to be a good steward? Are we going to be obedient to what he wants us to do? And uh, since we're talking about this, I really want to ask you, too, because I know when I was in the military, um, I grew up Catholic and I um, practice my faith very well, I guess. Right. Um, right. I, I'd never read until I um, And so. Where did your, as a, you know, I, I spent my entire four years just living like an idiot, you know, like a lot of us do when we get in the service, um, drinking and partying and not really caring about anything but but me. Um, you've been in for a while now. And so I want to know what, what that walk looked like from when you went in the service to where you're at now with your faith. Well, I'm going to go ahead and do a disclaimer. I'm still an idiot. I just got to pray about it a lot more. Um, so that's so we're all there. Nobody's perfect. But here's the thing is we should strive to walk, walk better. So um, starting from the beginning, I was just a young 20-year-old kid at Camp Pendleton that could take 20 bucks, hop on a train, go down to San Diego, and then hop on the same train and go up to Los Angeles and Hollywood. You can imagine what that's like for, you know, a 20 year old, like you got the world at your hands. Didn't walk the best at that time, peer pressure, you know, um, all of that. But I still had my my faith stored in me. Um, Now, from the very I was, you know, I was baptized at the age of 10 years old. Um, My grandfather was a Southern Baptist preacher, hellfire and brimstone. So I was raised that way. So and I was I was a stubborn kid. So, you know, I I got it given to me a couple of times. So. Um, but pretty much it was always in the back of my mind. Like anytime I was faced with a situation or anytime that, you know, I, I wasn't walking perfectly at that moment, it was in the back of my mind. I could hear my granddad talking to me, you know, Hey, Hey, what are you doing? And then, and then I started realizing that that was God talking to me, you know, like, I, you know, what, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? You know? So I, so I started, you know, listening a little bit more. I started being a little more introspective and, you know, judging my situations. But that didn't happen the first six, seven years that I was in. Like, that didn't happen. Even with a, a wife and, you know, a few kids at the time. And, you know, now now I got three. Uh, so it, 
at the time I still wouldn't walk perfect. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't the perfect husband. I wasn't the perfect father. Like I, you know, I let work get in the way. All, all the stuff that everyone has happened to them on a daily basis, I've had to pray about. Um, and I've learned that no matter where I go, as my military career went, and I always told my younger soldiers and younger Marines this, that wherever I'm at, that's my home. Wherever I lay my head down, that's my home. Cause you always got someone above. I always told them that because, you know, we're kind of fluid with, you know, with religions, with people, cause they're from all over the place. And I always try to tell people, Hey, faith's important. And, and I think that, uh, I got more in touch and more in tune with that. The more, uh, my military career moved forward because I started realizing that I can't control everything. I, I'm not in charge of everything, you know, situations that are happening. I had to understand that it was his plan and it wasn't me. So I was like, I had to let go of the reins because I was, I was in control of this race car and, and, and I had to learn to let go. That was my biggest issue in the military. That's a, that's a great, um, I, I didn't have that growing up. You know, I, my, my Catholic upbringing gave me a great foundation for when I started reading my Bible. Uh, and my wife was born and raised Baptist and she was saved at an early age at camp. Uh, and, uh, and when we got together, I could tell that going to service, like she wasn't being fed. And so, uh, but you hit on something and I really wanted to talk about it because I think people miss the mark all the time. Uh, and I know that Christians take a lot of heat from non-Christians. Uh, they go, Hey, you know, I've heard you talk around the guys or I've seen you do this or that or whatever it is. Right. And I said, you know, there's a, my, my Sunday school, we're really big into sin no more so much that Robert made me a banner for our Sunday school. And we have a banner in our room on the wall that says sin no more because Jesus told us to sin no more. And, uh, he told the woman at the well to sin, go and sin no more. And, and, uh, I, I always tell people all the time, I said, do you think Jesus meant that? Or do you think he was just talking metaphorically? And there's too many times where that is in the Bible, in the New Testament, you can find it, uh, that says sin no more. And I believe wholeheartedly that exactly what he meant. And my mentality when I met, when I met this group of people was it's impossible for us not to sin. We're, we're sinners, you know. And so the more I started studying that, the more I started realizing, wow, I'm rationalizing everything from a human perspective. And um, the thing is, the second you surrender your life, God gives us all the tools we need to sin no more. Now, we're human, so we're stupid and we're going to do stupid things. And so... I like to say, and, and this, you know, me and my, my mentor, Harry Spence, we, we say um, it's not about being sinless. It's about being sinless. You know, I'm going to sin less than I did yesterday. I'm not going to be sinless because I know I'm not. I know me, and I'm going to fail every day. Like you said, you pray all the time about, you know, I'm still, I'm still in the mud, and I think I will be you know, until he calls me home. But I think it's I, so important. I have a pretty unique outlook, outlook on that. Um, a lot of people, I, I think this way. So, and it kind of clears up 
a little bit of things. People make it cut and dry, right? It, it is. Certain things are cut and dry, right? Um, right. But the big thing for me, Jesus came, died for our sins, right? He paid that price. He died, right? The People forget the price is paid, right? It is paid. You should do the right thing out of appreciation. You should strive to live right out of appreciation. The price has already been paid. And that's where the walk that's where the walk that's where the walk comes in. The sacrifice already happened, he paid for the sins. Now it's you to have that moral compass to appreciate that sacrifice and to strive to pay back. Just like how I would still keep living and keep paying homage to all the people that have died overseas. It's the same thing, but it's to your savior. It's you were paid, you were walking that path. Because he paid the price. You, it's striving. It's not saying you have to hit every mark. It's not saying you have to do that. You should right. strive every single day to hit that mark. Yeah, I, I, that's why I really love when we started talking about um, not so much being sinless, but sinning less. Right. And and that in itself shows respect. And you know, for years I've always worn uh, honor bracelets. Um, and I, I usually get guys from Texas, you know, the company, the honor bracelets or memorial bracelets, I think they call them. You can go on there and you can put what state um, that you want to, you know, a member from. And, you know, everybody sees these with these. Well, a while back, my wife said something to me that that she clicked in my head and she said, are you honoring God as much as you're honoring that guy on your wrist? And I was like, hmm, Wow. Now, my wife wasn't in the military, right? So she has a different, you know, outlook on that. And I said, well, I'm not holding these guys to a different level where, you know, I'm praising them. But I do honor the sacrifice that they made, the guys that came before us. 100%. Because without them, yeah, because without them, we wouldn't be, I mean, we just wouldn't have the freedoms that we have. But I want to show you this. And I don't know if it'll, if it'll, uh, yeah, there it goes. It, it clued right. in. So this is the honor bracelet that I wear now. Okay. Yeah. Well, the thing with the honor. So let me let me say a little bit about that. So, um, for the past I'd say seven years, I live at a hundred miles an hour every single day because the guys that didn't get to come home, they don't have the opportunity to live anymore down here, right? Obviously, I'm not saying that. That's a thing. They they leave families behind. They they don't have the opportunity to walk in that good faith. They don't have, I mean, you know, depending where they were at spiritually at that time. Um, and it's my, I honor that as far as like, I have the opportunity to still do good. I have the opportunity to still live my life at a hundred percent. So I am going to live for God one, two, and for the people that don't have the opportunity to do that goodwill anymore. I love that man. And, and uh, I, I'm on that. I didn't know I was on that same level. Uh, for the longest time, because like this honor bracelet says, you know, it's got God's name on it. I put God's name on my honor bracelet and I put that he died in 33 AD and he was the commanding officer of God's army. And it's a constant reminder for me, especially when I'm walking around and I just see one of the crosses on it. And I, you know, I'm around a bunch of guys that are just letting their tongues fly or whatever just reminds me, Hey, don't forget, you know, that you got to be living for him all the time. And, um, but I, I also know that, you know, from a military standpoint, like even my dad, uh, my dad was in during the fifties and my uncle was in during Vietnam and they're both gone now. 
what those two guys taught me so much about respect and the sacrifice of the guys who came before us. And, um, and, and I had to learn, you know, my wife taught me something because I used to do a lot of stuff, uh, especially like um, around 2008, whenever Center for the Intrepid opened up at, at Bamsey, um, I was doing a lot of stuff for these guys that were coming back, you know, injured. And, um, and we, we, Connie met a guy one time that he was just a really unpleasant individual. He wasn't a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I used to put everybody in the same category. Oh, I don't care. He's in the military. He got, he got hurt overseas. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do whatever. And, um, and, and I've learned that, that, you know, some of those guys, not everybody's the same. Not everybody's a nice person. Not everybody's trying to be a good person. But what I do honor, regardless of what that person was, is the fact that they went somewhere and they died. And so I have a, I have, you can't see it here, but I have a cork board. And every time I meet people that were in combat that lost somebody, I write their names down. I've got one of those big green log books, you know, like a ship log for the quarter deck. And, uh, and I write their names down in that book. And then I have a dog tag made with their name on it. And I post those because um, we've gotten so wishy-washy in our country about erasing everything. Right. And I think it's so important that we remember the sacrifice that these people made, um, you know, and for us. And I love what you said, man. Like you're, you know, I know there's guys as athletes now that I'm doing all this training. I've met all these athletes that, well, I said, why do you do this? I mean, cause this is crazy. Like we're all stupid to do this, you know, this kind of, this level of training. And they're like, well, you know, I, I run for this guy that I, that I served with cause he can't run anymore cause he's gone. And, uh, and I love that cause that person who died lives still lives, uh, in this guy who's, who's doing marathons for him, ultra marathons or whatever, you know? And so I, um, uh, I think we missed the mark man today so much um it's a lack of respect it's a lack of self um um responsibility you know we've stopped being responsible for ourselves and our families right. and uh, and it's almost like taught to us like oh you don't have to worry about that we'll take care of it you know somebody else will take care of it and um i just don't know where that goes man i don't i don't know you know it's guys like you and guys like me and and other people you know a lot of people in my circle that it's left up to us to continue to honor the sacrifice for those who came before us and, um, and not forget our history and not forget our past. Right. You know, it's, um, it's a big thing. So um, we're, we're getting close to the end here. And I just want to ask you a couple of things um, sure. for, let's say for a, a active duty guy who's transitioning out. Um, what three pieces of advice would you give them? about preparing for civilian life? Uh, the first piece of advice that I would give is, is plan, plan, plan way ahead. Like if you know that you have two years left, I'd say a minimum of two years, you need to start putting things in place for you to transition out. 
Now, here's the thing. You might be single. You might be the, you know, the runner for your family. You've got to plan about two years out on what you want to do, if even further. Um, and, and that's the thing is like if you, most people get out without a plan. So I, I would say that planning is the first piece of advice way ahead of time. Do that right off the rip. Right before, like, if you know you're getting out, that's the first thing. I'm I'm starting to plan in the research uh, progress right now. Two, start making connections. If you, if you, once in that, you start planning way ahead, you start reaching out to people way ahead. Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just now getting out of the military. Start building resumes and sending resumes to people immediately. Um, three, stay resilient and understand that you were still earning a paycheck where you're working at. I know you're transitioning out, but if I was to give people to stay motivated all the way until that last day that you walk out of the military, most people go into this transition and they start thinking, you know what, I'm getting out. I don't need to worry about anything anymore. And they start getting a little disgruntled or a little bothered because they're trying to take care of certain things. And they, they're like, Hey, I still have an obligation to this. And you know, it's a hot mess. No. Now this is where a moral compass comes in. If you act like a grown adult and you understand no matter what, I'm taking extreme ownership in my life and I have responsibilities every single day. I'm transitioning out. Yes. But now I'm as if I still wear this uniform, which people have died in, I'm still going to work every single day. And I, those are my best three pieces of advice before you get out. That, that's good. That's good. Intel, man. Uh, and then, um, where do you see yourself in, let's say, five years post-service? Post-service? Um, so me, uh, right now, I am surrounded by a lot of people. Um, me and my wife's plan is when I retire, I am going to buy me a, a cabin in Montana, and I'm going to have a farm. I'm going to... I'm going to roast coffee and I, and, you know, live my best life. That's exactly what my, my plan is for five years after. And, and then I'm going to start trying to pop up some, uh, some roasteries and some coffee shops. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm there now, man. I, I'm ready to, to, to light up a, a stand somewhere and get it going. Um, well, man, I, uh, drop any kind of, any piece of knowledge that you want to drop before we, uh, if there's anything that you want to that you want to say that people should know about you or Champ Bros Coffee, uh, what what would you tell them? Well, plugging, I could care less about plugging my my name. I'll say champbros.shop. That's my website. I also plug it in the comments. But the best piece of advice I can give anybody is take that leap. Take that leap. Take care of what you need to take care of. And there's never tomorrow. There's always. There's only today. And the best thing I can say is don't look out to build an entire brick wall. Lay a brick the best you can at 100% that day, and eventually you'll have a beautiful brick wall. I like that, man. I like that a lot. You said something that reminded me of uh, what is that guy that does the family feud, uh, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey says something in one of his um, – he's talking to the crowd after the, after the show. Apparently he does it quite often, and he said um, – he says, every single person that's born has a God-given talent. And that God-given gift, whatever it is, that talent or that gift is your parachute. And if you don't ever jump off the cliff, you're never going to know what 
God has in store for you. Right. Yeah. 100%. He's, he's going to open that parachute. He's going to open it. He gave it to you. Right. He's going to open it. But it doesn't anywhere in the Bible. You're not going to find where it says that you're not going to hit a couple of sticks and a couple of rocks on the right. way down. Yeah, 100%. What? You're not going to hit the floor. That thing's going to open. But if you don't ever take that leap, you know, you're never going to know. And if you're not a believer, the same concept still, you know, how was that? Somebody always says all the time is, I know it's cliche, but it's uh, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Right. And that's that's one thing that I want to say before we get off here. Um, most people compare themselves to people and they don't understand that you're all this. There is no one different than anybody else. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day, and it's how you utilize those 24 hours. So I think most people need to detach and stop being scared to take chances and understand to let go and just go after it. And you, no one is different. Everyone's born the same. Everyone goes out the same. You have the same opportunities. Get after it. I love that, man. I absolutely love it. And, and I'll tell you personally that I failed three times before this business hit. So I started three separate businesses and they all ran into the wall. Some of them really quick. Some of them lasted a little while, but uh, you know, you learn, you, you fail forward and you learn. And if you don't ever take that risk, you're never going to know, you know? Yeah. And so that's, that's so true. Cause so many people, you'd be surprised how many people will not ever even try because they're perfectly complacent. Uh, just going to work and working for somebody and never knowing that there's so much more out there. Um, well, I want to thank you for your service. Obviously uh, I want to thank you for your time. And, uh, and I, you know, if there's anything we can do to support you, man, we'll, we'll do it. Cause I just love what you're doing. And uh, I love the fact that you're, you're way ahead of the curve. You know, you're, you're doing what you, you know, you're taking a risk and yeah, you've got an, an income, but you're still taking a big risk, um, learning the industry and refining it. And I guarantee you, man, by the time you get out, man, that's going to pay off tenfold. Let, let me, let me, hold on. Let me say something before we, we leave now. I would not be able to do any of this without my wonderful wife. She, she makes this thing go around. So as far as like me working, she makes sure everything's set up for me, like setting up my camera and everything. She did all this for me. She helps everything run smoother and uh, I couldn't thank her enough. So as far as yeah. the support I need, it's, it's right here in home. But you know, God does that for us, man. He sets us right. up like that and people don't understand it. And, and I always joke, you know, we have, a, I have a, a pastor that says, you know, all you guys, you know, sometimes you, you pray for stuff and you pray for stuff. And, um, and then the answer comes, you know, through your wife, your wife's trying to tell you and you're like, you're not listening. You know, they're 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 not meant to be in the background, man. They're our helpmates. They're right. the ones they walk next to us and uh, and they prop us up a lot of the time. And so that's awesome, man. I, I can really appreciate that because I know I've got one here in the house, too. That, you know, she's a strong woman. I mean, she takes care of me. You know, she makes sure that everything's done. And and uh, she was already asking me today, you know, what do you got going on? I'm like, you know, I got to roast 75 pounds tomorrow. And and so she's already, okay, well, bring the bags inside. I'll get all that labeled and ready for you. So, yeah, absolutely, man. 100%. I like the way, I like the way you think. I like the way you talk. And, and uh, I love what you're doing. You know, it's so important nowadays to, um, to really 
chase after something that you're passionate about. Cause so, so many times people say something and then you just shy away from it. And um, that's wrong. You know, God gave you that passion and you should be chasing it to the very end. And so I feel like that with my coffee. And, and every time I try to, you know, push the coffee away or close it down or stop doing the podcast, God's like, uh, no, no, we're, we're doing it like this. Not the way you want to do it. I can't remember where I heard it from, but there was a, there was a guy, that, uh, I think it was chariots of fire. I think is what I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, but he, uh, he said that anytime he was running at max capacity, he could feel God's glory when he was running, which wow. that was really pow- that was powerful for me. And he, like Olympic level runner, like he said, when he was operating optimally, he could feel God's glory and power. And I was like, all right, I'm going to start chasing that. <laughs> no doubt, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love when you're, uh, when you, when, and I haven't, I've had a couple of instances uh, in, in my long, you know, my 52 years and, and in my 20 years with my wife, that there's been certain points where uh, you hit a stride and you're like, you feel God's presence. You're like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. It's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, and that's a great feeling, you know. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that. Well, again, brother, I, I just want to tell you that I really appreciate your time. Um, and if there's anything that, like I said, that we can do, man, I, 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 I'll support you in any way that we can. And, uh, and I know, uh, Ashley wants to get us all on, on his podcast. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to jumping on yours too. So. Yes, sir. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're, uh, we're at the mark here and I just want to, uh, thank everybody who tuned in and, uh, you know, hit up champ bros dot, was it damp champ bros forward slash shop. No, it's just champbros.shop. .shop. Okay, champbros.shop. And um, check them out and check us out and, you know, treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. Till next Friday, God bless you guys.